Patrick, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We are back-to-back nights in the GOAT district. Big shows, both nights. Billy Muzio, Dave Hubbard, last night. Go check out that show. I got a couple couple comments. Tris Tolefson, great information. I learned a lot. Anna Jimenez, friend of the show. She says this was amazing, but I hope no one else was listening. And tonight is going to be the same, guys. I hope you have a pen and paper. You have, for sure, you follow this man you want to hear all the goodness, Redraft and Dynasty tonight. Senior fantasy writer Heath Cummings from CBS Sports. Welcome to the district. We are excited for this, my friend. I am excited. That was a fantastic intro, and I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Looking forward to chopping up tonight. Yeah, no, super stoked for tonight. Um, we, we hit Redraft really, really hard last night. Um, definitely a show you want to go back and listen to. Um, tonight, we're going to mix it up. We're going to talk a little Dynasty. We're going to talk a little Redraft. Um, we're super stoked. JD and I have been kind of holding it down while the overhyped sleeper himself, Dan, is on his uh, Clark Griswold-esque uh, trip across the country. Um, so we're, we're closing it out this, this week with, uh, with Heath. And JD, I'm just going to go ahead and get started on the Dynasty questions. Jump, jump into uh, it, man. Heath, you, you dropped an absolutely terrific um, Dynasty Cells article. Um, what makes a player a dynasty sell and take it a step further? How can we exploit the market to sell non-obvious players at their peak? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, like a two or three part answer because, and, and I'm maybe a little bit more cognizant of this because of being at CBS, but like there are people still playing in dynasty leagues where the clear and obvious answer is just the 26 and 27 year old running backs are the cells. And a lot of people in their leagues don't know that. So if you're in one of those leagues, that's the answer. Like running backs who are 26 or older, those are your cells, especially if they're still good. But I think the more, the more like real answer is you've got to hit those guys that um, people are still excited about as top 10 running backs and maybe have not hit that age 26 mark, but are still just one injury away from things going absolutely terribly. We, we really underestimate, I think, the impact that a bad season or an injury can have for even a 25-year-old running back. So running back, it's and it just creeps up every year. And people, I think, that don't play a lot of Dynasty like Demarcus, that like we're always just trying to sell the good players and buy the young players. And that's true to a certain extent. But it's so much better to sell a running back a year early than it is a year late. Because a year late, you're dropping him, not selling him. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and JD, sometimes those, those players that 
we're most uncomfortable selling in dynasty really bring us the biggest returns. And we look back and we say that was a, that was a really the smart move for our teams. Isn't that right? Well, it's timing, right? It's all about timing. You'll tonight, as we talk dynasty, all this is about timing. And the, the biggest mistake I think a lot of dynasty players do is they move big pieces at the wrong time of the year, right? If you have an old running back, second game of the year when he goes off for two touchdowns and one one twenty, that's when you move that player. You don't move him now. You know, right now the hot rookies, you can tell by the movement in the ADP, and we'll talk about some of them tonight. You know, which guys are hyping up, which ones are deflating in value. We talked about some last night. We're going to talk about it again tonight. That's what you have to be watching, and you got to time those trades properly. And we'll talk about that as we get through the show. And I like how Heath also, when when you write these articles, you will share like a target for a contender versus a target for a rebuilding team. I think that's really helpful. But let's let's talk about it. You named four players in your sales article. Why don't you share those players with us uh, in the GOAT district tonight and why you would be selling them in a dynasty league? Yeah, it was two running backs, two wide receivers, Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb. I tried to avoid the super obvious running backs, but I, I mean, this is a little bit obvious as well. I think Mixon is someone like people forget. And I was on Mixon really hard going into last year. Everybody hated him. Like it was nobody wants this guy who's the perennial high end number two running back because we made the mistake of drafting him in the first round for a couple of years. And then he has a year that makes him worthy of being a first round pick, but now he's another year older. And so now that everybody's finally getting back onto Joe Mixon, I'm ready to move off of him because I think, like, again, he's that guy that is just one bad thing happening away from complete disaster. And it's possible. In fact, I would say even hopeful that the Bengals decide, you know what, we have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. Maybe we should not be as run heavy as we were last year. And I think you could just see his volume decrease a little bit, even if things don't go wrong. The other one was Nick Chubb. And Chubb's somebody I've kind of fought against for the last couple of years. And his perceived value remains really, I think, much higher than it should be. He does not have a long runway in terms of what he could be two or three years from now. Two or three years from now, he's past Derrick Henry range and, and we're he's no longer a sell at all. Um, but also, I don't know with Kareem Hunt and with this whole mess of a situation that he necessarily has top five upside this year either. And so if a guy's not necessarily going to be, in my opinion, elite this year, and he doesn't have the long runway, I would like to move him before his value goes down. JD, any thoughts on those two? Uh, nothing, nothing really died. Yeah, I sold the Mixon share. I told, I told Heath this in, in the pre-show. Um, you know, Mixon's a guy I, I really like in redraft, and um, – this team was kind of in the in the middle of contender versus non-contender, and I got a nice return for him, um, a bunch of young assets in the 2023 first. And I think it's kind of funny because Chubb might seem a little more obvious, especially with the Watson stuff, but Mixon, um, you can almost exploit the redraft rankings at this time of year too, can't you, Heath? Uh, 100%, especially, I think especially with running backs. I, I just don't have either of those guys, Theo. I, I like Chubb and, and Mixon. I don't own them at all in Dynasty. They're just not guys. Like even if I'm starting up, I look around and there's too many guys I like better than than both of those guys. Age is a big factor for me with these running backs. Chubb's kind of funny because Chubb almost right now because because of the Watson situation and because the guy just you know he he never really has the the juice. He might be more of like a like a player where. You might want to sell him, but at this point, you might just be be you know pot committed to him and kind of ride it out because 
it's a difficult guy to sell, especially with the, the Watson news in limbo. What about your wide receivers, Heath? Yeah, I think these guys probably draw a little bit more interest from most dynasty players. It's Tyreek Hill and Deontay Johnson. I mean, the, the Hill volatility has kind of been taken into account. People are a little bit concerned about Tua. I don't know that people are making enough out of the possibility that Jalen Waddle just gets more targets this year than Tyreek Hill. But that one's been taken into account. I don't know that enough has been taken into account with Deontay Johnson, though. He is... I, I get worried about players who don't have a ton of volume but just have thrived on extreme efficiency. He's the exact opposite. He and Najee Harris both. Like The fact that they've thrown the ball 650 times each of the past two years is the reason why Deontay Johnson's been a high-end number two or low-end number one wide receiver. I don't think there's any chance at all without Ben Roethlisberger they're going to throw the ball that much this season. And so I expect we'll see his target share come down, and I don't think Pickett or Trubisky is going to mean a big increase in efficiency for him. He's been so heavily dependent on the volume, and that volume's been so heavily tied to the fact that the Steelers had been Roethlisberger in the huddle, and every time they sent in a run play, he changed it to a pass. Um, I, I think you'll see a huge decrease in pass volume for that offense, and I don't think Johnson has, you said the juice with Chubb, I don't think he has the juice in terms of efficiency to make up for that drop in volume. No, for sure, and he's definitely, the, the redraft rankings, um, have have expressed that as well we've seen Deontay go you know wide receiver 21 ish in some of these you know football guys uh type tournaments so i think that people do have those reservations um let, I, let, I let's do, let's do a quick otc Theo, let's do a quick okay. otc right now Deontay johnson heath or mike williams um, dynasty or redraft JD? redraft you're t- you're talking football guys so yeah let's, let's, yeah, let's go redraft yeah because that's, that's, that's the adp right now Yep. Yeah, in that tournament, I would I would go Williams for sure. I think Williams has a lot more upside than Johnson this year. Interesting. That's a t- that's a tough one for me. I think it would be based a little bit on what I did with the wide receiver one. I'm projecting these guys to be my my wide receiver two in my right. builds. If it was a you know, uh, I, they're very very close. I would agree with Heath that that Williams definitely has the higher upside, uh, certainly touchdowns wise. What about let's do dynasty quick OTC with DJ Moore? Uh, I've got DJ Moore. I think maybe maybe a full ten spots ahead of Deontay Johnson Ooh. in dynasty. I I still right. think I don't. And this has been a me problem with Deontay Johnson as well because I would like it if a guy could have both volume and efficiency. And like I really do hold against Deontay Johnson. Maybe it's just the fact that Ben Roethlisberger has not been very good the whole time that he's been on the Steelers and he's had some backup quarterbacks. But um, I, I think there's a better chance that we're looking at DJ Moore as a top five wide receiver midway through the season than we are Deontay Johnson. Give me DJ Moore as well. Um, I, I just think he's, I think DJ Moore is the real deal. And I think we'll have a season where he has an eight touchdown season, maybe uh, at least six. It would be kind of nice for DJ Moore, but I believe in the talent. I'll agree with you on DJ Moore. Yeah, it's super close. That's kind of why I gave those two names. All right, Theo. Pivot over to the tight end position. Um, you have Kyle Pitts, dynasty tight end one overall. Um, what are your thoughts on him for this season? Um, is he a good pick as tight end three in redraft? Um, and he can can he return value um, in the second round of tight end premium leagues? I, mean, I, I wouldn't. I hate doing this because I did it last offseason with Kyle Pitts too. Like I love him in Dynasty, and I'm just I can't get on board with the redraft ADP. I don't think it's fair to him. Like this guy just had one of the best rookie tight end seasons ever and did not live up to his ADP last year. 
And now we're going to draft him two rounds earlier because he went from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota quarterback and they added Drake London. I just don't like, I think it's more likely that Kyle Pitts is is tight end 10 than that. He has one of those tight end one or tight end two seasons this year. I still think he's going to be the best tight end over the next 10 years without a doubt. I think he's an awesome, I think the first round pick in dynasty, but I think he's more like, I would not mind him as tight end three if he was going right in front of Kittle and Waller. Like if those three guys were all in the same range, I, I think it's close enough. That's fine. But he, he seems to go one, two rounds higher than them in every draft I do. No, you're right about that. There, he's he, definitely he's hurt, his own hurting my heart. He's hurting my heart, Theo. As I, as I look at my, my football guys I'm drafting, and I literally took Jefferson first and Pitts in the second round. But you know what? It, it's, I mean, he's got so much talent that you know you have that out, at least. And that's great. Like that's, that's worth a lot. And I didn't answer the, the tight end premium question intentionally. But <laughs> like, I think he could do that. The, the thing I don't like is it wasn't just the fact that he only scored one touchdown last year. He didn't have a lot of catches either. He he did get the, the 110 targets as a rookie, which we like, and he did get over 1,000 yards. So right. you can make a bull case for him. I see what you're saying in terms of him being limited by the offense, and there's a, a, a chance that Drake London and him are like co-alphas in this offense and kind of – bring each other even in, in terms of, of what they can do. I'm still big on, on pits. Um, how about pivoting back to dynasty? Who are your favorite under the radar tight ends in dynasty right now? Um, I mean, probably the, the least or the most under the radar guy is probably Brevin Jordan. Um, I, I liked the way he finished last year. And if you see these guys that come out of nowhere and have the surprise top five seasons at tight end, it's usually because they end up, second on their team in targets or maybe third but close to the second guy and i think he's got a situation there in houston where i, I kind of like nico collins and i don't like it don't hate him in the double digit rounds but they don't have that clear number two behind brandon cooks and so there is an opportunity there for him to have one of those weird seasons where he scores seven touchdowns and i think he could really build on that i like i like the player we love that jd and i just took uh brevin jordan in our ffpc 125 best ball uh, tournament team He's been like an auto pick for me as a late tight end. Um, I agree with you. Um, we also we're kind of due for a Miami Hurricanes uh, tight end to, to to have another big, big time year after being spoiled by all those guys. So, uh, well, he, he, what do you he, think of Brevin Jordan? I mean, you know, I, you know, I like Brevin. He's especially in the tight end pre FFPC realms. You get to take him late as your tight end three. I mean, it's beautiful, especially if you can do a late stack with him. I mean, last year he gave you five five tight end one weeks on that offense. You know what I mean? So Davis Mills comes back in the second year, hoping to see some progress. You know, he's more comfortable. He's got cooks, uh, you know, getting attention, getting continuing to get attention. You you hope one of these running back comes in and, you know, gets a little more balance in this offense so that, you know, Brevin can benefit from that. But I think what we saw last year is, is a really good first step. And you think you hope that he would build on that, especially at his price, guys. I mean, he's super cheap. Heath wanted to throw two tight ends out. We discussed this last night with Billy Muzio and Dave Hubbard, two extremely successful high-stakes players. Um, what are your thoughts on TJ Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard, two guys that maybe had a little bit more juice last year? They've kind of settled into ADP. People are not necessarily as excited for them, but they seem to be possibly a little bit more values. Do you view those guys as potentially elite tight ends uh, in Dynasty, or, or are you pretty even on them? 
No, I think potentially elite is a very good way to put it. I, I got into a lot of arguments last offseason because I think T Hawkinson got, it's almost like the Joe Mixon thing. He got elevated to that elite tight end range. People, we were arguing Mark Andrews versus TJ Hawkinson last offseason, and Hawkinson hadn't done it yet, and he still hasn't done it yet. But now he's being drafted even later, and I, I still kind of think he's the same guy most likely who's going to be that mid-range tight end six, tight end seven guy. But I definitely think that the potentially elite's still there. We we know how long it takes for tight ends to develop. Goddard is a little bit more interesting. I would think the way that he would do it now with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith there would be a big touchdown season. I just don't have a good read on how many more pass attempts we're going to get from Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Because I think they're going to need a pretty big increase in volume with Smith and Brown both there for Goddard to take a leap. It's a weird, uh, weird tight end uh, um, tier, J.D., where Hawkinson's going. It kind of eases up a little bit with Goddard. Uh, we, we touched on it last night, J.D., but, but kind of your thoughts on Hawkinson as a dynasty target and, and what are you doing with him? And I know you're going late tight end, but would there be a point in a uh, redraft where you'd want to smash the uh, draft button on Hawkinson? Well, I was just looking at like even just on on Fantasy Mojo FFPC Dinos right now. Like based on this, Kittle's going right next to TJ Hawkinson in the fourth. I would way rather have George Kittle personally uh, than TJ Hawk, even with the age difference. Um, I don't know. Hawk is a guy you don't want no shares of, but it's not a guy that I want to be heavily invested in. I think in Dynasty, he definitely offers the upside. We're all hoping this Detroit Lions you know, offense put something together exciting this year. They've got some exciting pieces, especially when Jameson comes in. But I don't know. It's uh, if you, again, it, it's kind of the opportunity cost for me. It always comes down to opportunity cost. What else am I passing on to get that player uh, in some builds? Yeah. I mean, I don't mind taking Hawkinson early. I mean, you, especially if you want to take Hawkinson early and then get your quarterback later and, you know, pair him up with something like Goff you're able to build a pretty nice roster around that in all the other positions. Um, what do you think, Theo? It's easy to stack the Lions uh, if we're talking best ball. I, I do think Keith made a nice comparison with Mixon where, like, Hawkinson's a, a super, super clean uh, profile where people look at him, they, they'll, they'll give him the benefit of the doubt on, like, injuries. Um, they'll constantly give him the benefit of the doubt. Quarterback play, injuries, you know, look at him as kind of an elite talent. Like, he's and like a fantasy he, darling, right? He's like a fantasy yeah. darling. And Heath, Heath might have a point there that he's kind of always going to be in that like six to 10 tight end range, kind of a purgatory player for you. That's not really ever winning you your league. So he's interesting. Um, he might be a guy you want to kick the tires on because you could get a guy like Dallas Goddard plus picks or Dallas Goddard plus something. Uh, if you want to try to move on from Hawkinson, maybe get a guy in a similar tier. Um, speaking of, of rookies and, and, and prospects, who are some of the rookies that you're most excited for in this draft class, Keith? We did not have you on during rookie draft season, so let's backtrack a little bit. Which rookies are your favorites in this um, in this rookie class? Well, I think Brees Hall, for me, is in a tier of his own, um, and that's the obvious one. But the, the wide receivers, like Drake London, Garrett Wilson, and I had Traylon Burks right there with him. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about the offseason he's had, not because I think he's out of shape or anything like that. It sounds like he's... It sounds like he's not. It sounds like it's a it's a medical issue. It's asthma, and it's something that I don't really have a good read on why it's causing him to not be available for OTAs. So if that stretches into training camp, I'll really get concerned. But if he's there for training camp, I'm going to be very excited about him as well. And then I've got that group of of Walker, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave. 
that I'm just not certain on. I think the guy I'm probably the highest on relative to everybody else is Dotson. I think he has a, a really great opportunity. I like his profile quite a bit, despite the fact that he didn't uh, come out early. Expand a little bit on Dotson. Um, what what made you kind of ahead of him than, than, than other analysts? Is it the draft capital or you believe in the talent? Um, what What is your take on Dotson as a player? It's the draft capital and the talent, and I kind of think there's going to be from last year and probably next year and maybe even the year before a couple of these four-year guys that didn't come out because of the weirdness of the pandemic but were good through three years and and maybe would have in a different circumstance. And I, I think Dotson, he, I mean, he was phenomenal as a junior, and so I love the talent. I love the draft capital and I, I don't hate at all the fact that he's had a summer with Carson Wentz when Terry McLaurin wasn't there. He's got the hands, he's got the speed, and the, the, the he's getting talked up by the beat, beat reporters and the coaching staff has been praising him. J.D., I know you'd mentioned Dotson as a guy you tried to get more of, and you kind of had a similar um, take that people just weren't drafting him based on his on the draft capital that they spent on him. People were treating him almost like he was a, a day two pick when he was – you know, a top 20 draft pick. Um, what are your thoughts on Dotson right now, JD? Yeah, totally. Like rook, rookie drafts dynasty. He was a value. He was sneaking into that second round pretty, pretty often, especially in the earlier rounds deal. We're in some goat league ones that are earlier and, and he, he fell through uh, the league that you just joined the DPL three time back to back to back champion right here. Uh, <laughs> just saying picked up Dotson at two, like two Oh five, two Oh four, something like that. So when you're getting that value, like you said, he's coming, that kind of draft capital, yeah, he goes to Washington, but you you know, Wentz Wentz can give can give something, and then now you're hearing with F1, you know, you're gonna start seeing Dotson's value go up in ADP. You're gonna start creeping, seeing creep up, especially late in those best ball drafts. You know, guys are gonna be uh, a little more aggressive on him, I think. So again, it's like we talked about yesterday when you're used to buying your deodorant at three ninety nine, it's hard to pay you know seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine. So it's hard for me now when his value is going to climb up. I don't think it's there yet, but I think you could probably get him in some, some drafts at a good value, especially in some redraft, you know, like we're talking about best ball, but uh dynasty. I mean, I, I think his value because of the F one being in the headlines a lot, I think that his value has probably crept up a bit. I would have to, I haven't checked myself, but I'd have to guess that it has. I do like the fact that even if let's say F one does resign, their, their skill sets um, do not overlap. Right. Like I, if you're an F1 manager, you kind of worried about um, like them drafting Drake London was the, was the, the big rumor and it just didn't happen. So you're, you have a smaller receiver next to McLaurin. They could potentially um, coexist. And I think what's interesting is um, like fantasy Twitter and a lot of analysts were on a third round pick like David Bell well ahead of Dotson. Um, you they were head to head, they'd have them. So I think it's something we can, we're gonna we're gonna re, uh, you know revisit this a year from now. But there's a lot of people who were on David Bell over Dotson, and it's kind of like a, I know more than the NFL teams um, mm -hmm. type type argument in many ways. It's just super interesting. Um, and let's pivot to to redraft. Which rookies are going to make the biggest impact in the redraft season this year? I think it's just a lot of the same guys that I said, but like relative to their dynasty value, I do think there are some guys who maybe don't have a long 
career of dynasty production, but as rookies because of the situation can give you more than you would expect. I mean, the two obvious ones are Damian Pierce and, and Algier in, in Atlanta, just because the competition is so really, I, I don't think they're going to play Cordero Patterson at running back very much this year. I think that they're probably going to move him back into even more of a hybrid role. So I think there's room for both of those guys to get more touches than you would expect. Obviously if Spiller can be the Eckler, handcuff and something happens to Eckler and Spiller's going to have a huge impact. And then I think a guy that I really was not very excited about, but the more I look about at it, Jalen Tolbert, like could just be a fantastic yeah. situation. Like it mm -hmm. might not even matter if he, if he is that good at getting open against NFL coverage, because he's going to be the third or fourth guy they're looking at. And who knows when Gallup's going to be a hundred percent. So I think Tolbert could be a guy whose redraft value really outperforms maybe what his dynasty value is going to be. Yeah, we've liked talking about Tolbert on the GOAT district, haven't we, J.D.? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, situation, going to Dallas, they, they need somebody to catch passes. Cooper's gone. Um, and again, the price. The price is, is always the, the key factor. And, and when you're getting him, I'm trying to see like right now where he's going um, in football, guys. But, I mean, I, I feel like across the board, Tolbert has been a value. And I don't think people have kind of caught on yet that, you know, he's he does have that opportunity coming. So, before the hype starts building, you know, as we get closer to the preseason, go out and get your Tolbert pieces, go out and get your Dotson pieces because you get a couple Wentz, you know, long bombs or, or, or Dak uh, long bombs to, to Tolbert or, or a couple nice throws to Tolbert and, and, you know, those values start to skyrocket. Pivoting over to quarterbacks, um, Heath, you, you released your dynasty quarterback rankings. And I think that the, the, the top of rankings would be guys that we would probably all agree on. But you had Joe Burrow in his own tier. Maybe you could kind of share why he's in his own tier. Um, and do you do you believe that he can crack into that upper upper echelon, you know, top two or three dynasty quarterback rankings with with a, with another very strong season? I I think he can, but I don't think what he did last year should be enough to get him there. Because my like the reason I put him in his own tier is because he is probably the most likely quarterback or definitely top two or three to give you a decade of top 12 quarterback finishes. I don't know how likely he is in the current setup to finish as a top three or four fan, quarterback on a regular basis. Like he needs to have one of those wild efficiency seasons or they need to kind of change their philosophy. And I don't generally like to bet on teams changing things too much the year after they go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, like things obviously worked out pretty well for them. So like, he is in tier three for me. Uh, he's my number six overall quarterback in dynasty. Um, but I do think there's, there's clear separation between the upside of guys like Allen and Mahomes and Kyler and Lamar and what Joe Burrow offers right now in terms of upside. He's just now it's possible that he was, you know, that first year coming, we talked about it with Dak already first year coming back from the injury. We didn't want to run him too much. Maybe he's going to run a little bit more and, and run as much as Mahomes does. But in, until we see either the pass volume go up or him add a couple hundred yards rushing, um, I don't think he's he's going to be a top two or three guy. And I think it's interesting you bring up the pass volume because we all have memories of, of like the shootouts towards the end of the season, but it wasn't like that to start the year for Cincinnati. It was a little more balanced, a little bit more run, and then they sort of uh, aired it out uh, towards the end. So it's a super interesting guy. Um, J.D., what's your thoughts on, on Burrow? Where would you have him in your dynasty rankings? Yeah, I mean, he's top five. Uh, I do see Murray falling behind him, uh, which I find odd in some drafts. So I do like that, especially if I'm, 
you know, want to start with an earlier uh, uh, QB and, and Kyler's sitting there after Burrow. I kind of like where, when he falls there uh, probably because of the current situation and, you know, him not necessarily being settled out there in Arizona, but um, I mean, any of these guys are, you know, Burrow with the weapons they have, you got to think uh, you're getting your value wherever you get them in these drafts right now. And I think Burrow is actually going at a nice value. If you consider where most people rank him and where he's going, um, he's a he's a nice get uh, at his value at his current uh, ADP. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I can see the the kind of the, the reservations with him, and he certainly lacks, you know, the rushing upside. Um, the you know we're seeing with the, the truly elite quarterbacks. So he's like he's he's definitely an interesting guy. Um, this is a big year for him in terms of dynasty because I think he's kind of like at the cusp. Um, definitely an interesting guy. Like when you see we have our um, triflex or superflex um, startups, Burrow's going extremely high. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a guy that a year from now is gonna gonna really gain value. Um, but you can see why he's so appealing in in that format. Well, and um, I think people like because of his limited experience in the NFL view him maybe as younger than he is. But he's older than Kyler and Lamar, and he's not really that much younger than Mahomes. Actually, yeah, no, he's yeah, he's twenty five and a half. I never even noticed that. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I mean, he had the and he had the. You know, I think it's. I think it, that's a great, great point by Heath because you know he had such a short run um, at LSU that we almost kind of forget the the Ohio State years. Um, and he, and, you know, we we think of him like smoking a cigar on the sideline after hanging sixty on people. Um, where we, you know, in Ohio State, he was kind of on the sidelines a little bit. So he's kind of had a weird meteoric run to the top, but he's certainly not young. Um, he's definitely an interesting one. How about any quarterbacks that you're very bullish on? Doesn't necessarily have to be a younger guy, but uh, guys that you could see gaining value in Dynasty this year? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm higher in both redraft and Dynasty on Jalen Hurts than just about anybody. And I understand the reservations in Dynasty. What if Jalen Hurts loses his job? And that's been the thing for a year and a half now. But I just look at what the Eagles have done. I think they might be the best team in the division. I think they're definitely as many bad teams as there are in the NFC, unless things go terribly wrong. They're definitely a playoff team again. And adding A.J. Brown, I think people might be underestimating the improvement that Hurts could still make as a passer and how much easier things will be with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith as your one and two wide receivers. So I don't factor in the odds of him losing his job quite as highly and I think if you see him lead the Eagles to a playoffs, maybe even win a playoff game and then get a contract extension, well, he might be ahead of Joe Burrow. Yeah, I can I can see that one. And it's kind of hard to, like, that was the, the whole thing this offseason was in Dynasty, they're going to, they're, they're looking to draft somebody. We've heard it for, for, you know, two years now that Jalen Hurts is not their long-term answer. But then they contradict themselves with their actions. They give A.J. Brown the massive deal um, and, you know, Hertz has the elite rushing ability. If he makes a step forward as a, as a passer this year, um, or if they just get a little bit more efficient with it, I mean, he's, he did not make my last night. We talked about our, our redraft tiers. He was not in my top five, but I would certainly have him like in my, my top six or seven. And I think he does have QB one overall um, in his range of outcomes. That offense could be sneaky, sneaky good. Couldn't it JD? I mean, look at look at who they added, right? Like, who had a better offseason than, than them adding AJ Brown? Uh, I, I do want to make a quick 
correction on Burrow, he's my QB six, not my QB five, because Lamar Lamar is is in the top five. I'm looking at another. We were already getting angry tweets about it, JD. I'm I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the list here, and I'm like, I can't let people know I have uh, you know Burrow my top five. He's top six. He's top six. Uh, but I'm with you, uh, Heath. Uh, especially earlier in the off season, Hurst was a really nice value. He's kind of crept up. I, I was looking on my phone because I didn't want to get his name wrong, but we had Scott Connor on this show, uh, Theo, and he made a comment that stuck with me. And you kind of made a similar comment, Heath. Like, and, and like you said, Theo, the actions speak for themselves. Maybe Philadelphia believe in him long-term a lot more than they're making out to be. And they're surrounding him with the weapons he needs. And they, you know, they didn't panic on going out there. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're building around him and they seem to have that confidence in him. It's just fantasy seems to not have like the to me the narrative seems to be after this season hearse is out and that's what people are, are you know are cautious with but i think philly seems to be saying differently with their actions like you said theo and now you know he's creeping up but i think hearse is is definitely a top 10 at least uh dynasty quarterback for sure and not to make this a like you know too long-winded about hurts but i think it's really interesting is the way that the way that it's it's kind of like all dynasty gamers and analysts at this point are so high on the 2023 class and, and with good reason. But Philadelphia is not going to be in a position to get Stroud or get Young um, next year unless they completely fall off a cliff or they tr- make some massive, massive move to get into the top three. So they're not going to necessarily be in a position to go get um, a, a quarterback as well. So I think that, you know, Hertz definitely could be like one of the sneakier dynasty buys this offseason. Um, we totally agree with you on that, Heath. Um, one player who, who who we really can't argue about in terms of what he's done in fantasy football, he's a weapon of mass destruction when he's healthy, is CMC. Do you, could we see him return to 30 points per game level this year in PPR? And how should we be treating him as a dynasty asset, Heath? Yeah, it's it's funny. I I don't know that it's fair to expect him to return to 30 points a game. But if he gets to 90% of that, he's still... 15% better than everybody else. So like he, his, the upside he's shown us when he's been healthy and it, it's, it's so much better than, than the best of Jonathan Taylor or the best of Derrick Henry that he doesn't have to get all the way back to what he was at least in full PPR to be just that much better than everyone else. I, I think it, how you view him in dynasty is very much dependent on your risk tolerance, but if you're trying to win a championship, I don't know that there's any better. And I think he's a buy even then, because most everybody would rather have Swift, would rather have Javante, would rather have Najee than Christian McCaffrey. None of those guys can touch his upside probably over the next two to three years. I think that, no, that, I totally agree with you. No, Theo, I was just going to say that to me is the problem with Dynasty is the guys drafting Javante ahead of Christian McCaffrey is just mind boggling to me. I don't get it. I do think that, like, he's he, – so if you were in a complete rebuild mode, J.D., I could, I could understand it. But, but I think that it's – at the end of the day, it's, it, you're trying to win championships here. But you're starting a draft, does, right? You're, if you're starting a oh, draft. Oh, we're talking start – oh, you know oh I mean? we're like, talking startups. Looking at ADP, it's hard, it's hard to take Javante. In my opinion, he's going – like, I'm looking at football guys, and he's going, like, four or five spots um, No, ahead. no, for the, for, the, for the dynasty startup. For the, so football guys, McCaffrey's – you know, he's clearly two. one, two, or three. Yeah, he's, he's two. Um, one, two, or three. But yeah, it's interesting in Dynasty is like, um, it might be worth kicking the tires. You might be able to get Christian McCaffrey for cheaper than you think. 
Because mm-hmm. I do think if you if you pulled like your your every manager in your league, and you gave a valuation on Christian McCaffrey, I think there would be a wide range of outcomes just because there's been some people burned on you know him missing games. But I I agree with you. I mean I think that you have to have an an optimistic um, outlook with him. He certainly looks healthy. Um, he's participating in things. He's not sidelined. Um, and I think that it's kind of like wheels up for, for McCaffrey to kind of remind everybody just how, how dominant he is. JD, do you have any more dynasty questions for Heath or can we pop it over to regraph? Um, I'm curious what you're doing with a guy like Debo, just, you know, he's, his value shot up so quickly in one season. I'm a huge fan of Debo. I was, I was a big fan, had him in a lot of dynasty leagues. And now I find like, I want to move some of those shares. Uh, I saw one one trade that was interesting to me, like Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis and a first uh, for Debo is, is appealing to me, but uh, I just, I'm curious how you're approaching Debo right now with, you know, him not necessarily being locked in in San Fran opportunity of him, maybe going somewhere else, how you feel about his situation and how you playing uh, his value in dynasty right now. Do you feel it's, it's where it should be or is it a little overpriced for you? Yeah. I mean, I, Gabe Davis in a first sounds pretty good to me. I think he's one of those guys that's a different conversation if you're playing in 10 dynasty leagues than if you're playing in one. Because I'm playing in 10, I I don't really want to be without Debo just in case last year was real. But I definitely don't feel comfortable being overweight on him. I've got him as a, I think I have him 14th at wide receiver right now in my dynasty ranking. So a high end number two wide receiver that I really don't expect to be anywhere close to 14th midway through this season he's either going to repeat what he did and we're gonna have to move him closer to the top five or he's gonna fall outside of the top 20 because things have changed again but no i i is like as far as a value for him that seems like a pretty a deal i'd be very interested in taking yeah it's it's an interesting one i i think like i'm i'm i think i'm probably taking the debo side on on that one jd um okay. just because i think that range of outcomes wise i think I think that he could absolutely be the real deal. Um, and I think that a year from now, you might like him over the 2023 one and, and the Gabe Davis. Um, but it, it certainly, um, you can make a case for him as a sell as well, because you could be selling off of his best year of his career type thing. And we might never see a return to, you know, a top two or three wide receiver in redraft. Definitely an interesting one. Um, pivoting to redraft, the, the Kansas City running back situation is a mess. Is there a clear value for you uh, in this backfield, Heath, when you look at CEH, Ronald Jones, or Jarek McKinnon, you know, kind of relative to their ADP? Or are you avoiding the situation altogether? No, I mean, relative to the ADP that I've seen, it's um, it seems almost like they're all clear values. I, I did not like the McKinnon signing, and I felt more confident in that statement. But the thing is, I, I liked CEH and Ronald Jones at their ADP more than consensus before the McKinnon signing. And I know what the McKinnon signing is going to do. It's going to negatively impact their ADP a little bit. I did drop both when it happened because I think it adds to the uncertainty. It really shouldn't. I really don't believe that Jarek McKinnon should be taking the ball out of either of those guys' hands. But my my hope and expectation for that situation is that they're going to use Clyde in the way that we all thought he would be used coming into the league. And that there will be more running back targets available because Tyreek Hill's gone. And there's more running back touchdowns available because they're not going to have quite as many gimmicky plays to wide receivers inside the five-yard line. They've been the kings of that over the past five years. Um, I think this is an excellent situation for Ronald Jones. One of the best offensive lines in the league. A team that you cannot stack the box against. And I still think he's a good runner of the football. And I just don't play him on passing downs. 
So he could have a, a Damian Harris type season. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that's a, uh, an awesome comparison to, to Harris's situation last year. Um, we, they never use CEH inside the five. Um, you know, he's, he's not a guy they want to use around the goal line. It seems like even if Rojo's just a specialist um, and he's their short down and distance guy and goal line back, um, you know, I think he could return value, you know, in that 11th-ish round um, for redraft. Um, and I think there's a chance that maybe he just passes CEH this year um, and things don't go well with CEH. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're optimistic that CEH is going to make this improvement this year. But to, to me, Rojo might be the value. Um, Dave Hubbard, who's one of the best FFC players um, um, going around, one of the best high-stakes players in the country, he's on the Rojo uh, train as well. He talked about it last night. So it's interesting to see that. Um, Darnell Mooney and Brandon Cooks, their ADP is very similar. Both guys are almost neck and neck both project to like a 25% or more target share. How do you approach these two players and how do you ba balance target share and opportunity for players in offenses that we have questions, question marks about? Uh, yeah, I, th I think, and I think it's even in Mooney's case, I still got a little bit of question about just the, like how good, how good of a player he is. Um, or is he just getting all the targets because they don't have anybody else to throw to those, those guys make me more nervous for cooks. And we saw his efficiency go down a little bit last year based off, off of what he's done in his career, but he is so clearly the alpha there in Houston. And he has such a long track record of both being good and beating ADP. I think six out of the last seven years. Um, I I'm embarrassed to tell you where I have Brandon cooks in my projections. I will promise you it's, it's way, way, way above where his ADP is definitely one of my guys. Uh, I think he's a fine pick in round three and he goes in round six or seven sometimes. So where, yeah, where cooks. do you have him? In, where do you have him in your wide receiver rankings? Um, I've got him ranked at 12. I've got him projected at six. That's awesome. Well, I That's think awesome. the one, things people might overlook about that Houston situation. And it's true about Seattle as well, as long as like Drew Locke's not just, the, or Geno Smith's not the worst quarterback in the league. Those two teams were way below league median in pace. And so you look at Cook's target share, I think they're probably going to run considerably more plays this year in Houston than they did last year. And I, there's nobody that's going to challenge the target share he had. I, 134 targets last year was the most he's ever had. I think that's selling him short for this year. I expect considerably more. You have to like uh, Pep Hamilton being back there. Um, yeah, Lovey Smith should should add some stability, mm -hmm. but Pep Hamilton seemed to get the most out of Mills, and they certainly like we've seen uh, Mills just lock in on Cooks. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad to see you so high on Cooks. And you talk about you have reservations on on Mooney. Do you still have reservations? Is it is it more on just him as a talent or? Because it certainly looks to us like he's going to get 140 targets again um, with potential for more in that offense just based on there's not a whole lot around him. Yeah, there's not a whole lot around him. I, I am a little bit concerned. I don't know what you guys are expecting the Bears to do offensively or if you're just kind of viewing them as they're going to be average in Cross terms of figures. Run. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I kind of think they might be a pretty creative offense that is really run heavy. Um, but no, I, I like I've got him projected for 145 targets. So I mostly agree with the target thing. I'm just not quite as sure that they're locked into the same league medium pass volume, even though they're probably going to be a bad team. 
Um, but no, I, I think he's mostly fine as a number two wide receiver. And then just kind of in, in general, you know, do you, do you think that players that we find value in, in drafting players off of teams that, that might have question marks or is, is it something that we should rightly be uh, avoiding uh, when there's tiebreakers for good offenses? 100% as a tiebreaker, I would, um, I would, I would rather have the player on the good team. I just, I don't want to make it too much more than a tiebreaker, if that makes sense. No, and, for sure. You know, you're saying 145. I mean, he, I mean, last year he was the wide receiver 11 in targets with, with 140, right? And he finished like wide receiver 27. So if you think he's getting the same amount of targets this year, Allen Robinson's gone. Unless you, you know, the expectation is that the offense is going to improve. You got to think that Fields improves though, and that Mooney does, you know, build off yeah. what he did last year. Maybe he's catching more of those passes. I don't know, like you said, how much more he's getting. It's just you want him to give you more for that volume is 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 kind of what's missing there. Um, but that's you know that's probably the are those guys going around the same ADP um, deal? Yeah, Cooks and Cooks and Mooney, I would say, are are usually kind of neck and neck. Um, underdog, they're literally next to each other, and then in football guys, they're and and NFFC um, RotoWire online championships, they're they're pretty close to one another. So it's always an interesting two players to, to look at um, when you look at Mooney versus Cooks. Yeah, it could be like league could be like league tilting type type decision on on when you have those two guys in your OTC. Um, we were contractually obligated to ask each and every guest this same question. Every single guest since rookie drafts ended has been asked the same question. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and, and Justin Jefferson are the clear top three wide receivers ADP-wise in redraft and in best ball formats. If you had to pick one wide receiver besides those three to finish wide receiver one overall this season, who would it be? I'm going to go a little different because I, I often – have talked negatively about this guy at, based on ADP over the last couple of years because his touchdown rate's just ridiculous, and I don't ever want to buy into that. But now that Gronk's not coming back, I'm going to say Mike Evans. Chris Godwin starting the year, maybe not 100%. I still think Brady's going to throw for almost 5,000 yards and 35 or 40 touchdowns. Now maybe 20 of them will go to Mike Evans instead of 14 of them. So I'll go with Mike Evans as the uh, dark horse wide receiver one. If anybody's keeping track, there has been a lot of very sharp people on Mike Evans on the GOAT district over the last month. And I think for, uh, for a lot of the reasons uh, Heath is talking about, um, he's going to get absolutely peppered with targets uh, to start the season. Um, you know, we're, we like Russell Gage, but Evans is the alpha there. Well, especially, especially now that Gronk, well, you know, for now, he's not coming back. But if he, <laughs> if he, if he really doesn't come back, I mean, red zone option, uh, you know, I mean, you, you see Gronk running down the field like a receiver sometimes. Mike Evans is a big guy. So you got to think that he's going to get a lot of that action if, if Gronk isn't back and just add to what he's been giving you every year with the 1,014 or whatever it is. And, and Evans, if Evans was, in my opinion, you see him going right now in the – towards the middle to the end of the second round. Yeah, what he's going at the end of football the guys in, and end of the second. So I feel like the reason you're getting him at the end of the second is because of his age. And I think he's a little less exciting to, to, to punch the, the Mike Evans button when you're drafting. So I really do think that you're, you're getting like a, you're getting like a discount based on the fact that he's, you know, late twenties instead of 25. I think if he was just a little younger, he'd be going closer to that one, two turn 
and he might be a one-two turn um, type value right now. Um, he, uh, I'll throw out an OTC, Devontae Adams or Mike Evans this year. Uh, I, in full PPR, I'll still take Adams because I think Adams is probably going to have more targets than Evans. But I would like Evans in every other every other format besides full PPR. Give you one more: young versus old, CD Lamb versus Mike Evans. Lamb's one of the guys that I haven't quite come around on yet to get as high as what it seems like everybody else is. Um, I don't like Lamb in round two very much. And so I'm going to go with Evan. I think there's a lot better chance that, that Evan, that nobody's dominated targets and, and Kellen Moore's offense. Now maybe Lamb will finally do it this year, but I, that's one of the, one of the reasons I like Tolbert is one of the reasons I've not been able to get Lamb into round two. Interesting. Very quickly um, for both you guys, we like to be able to be ahead of the market on players. Who is the 101 in redraft next season? We'll start with Heath and then we'll go with JD and then I'll give you I'll give you mine. I'm going to assume that it's the cowardly way is to say Jonathan Taylor again. So I won't do that. I'm gonna say Justin Jefferson. I'm gonna uh, say Justin Jefferson just absolutely breaks wide receiver scoring this year. Like Cooper Cup, only he's younger, and so if everybody makes him the wide receiver the 101. Gio, I, I talk about my drafts, not because I, I think people care. It's because I feel like if you're going to talk about something, you got to back it up with actions. That's the only reason I talk about it. My football guys, I took JT over CMC at the 102. He's my 102 this year. I think he's going to be the 101 next year. I think he's going to smash this year. Uh, I just I, I just feel real good about Jefferson anywhere I can get him uh, this year, and, and I think it'll be the same next year. So Jefferson was actually going to be mine as well. I think Jefferson is a, is a smash value. Dan, Dan Williamson and I fired him off, um, you know, early off on an NFL draft. I was an FFPC. Um, you, you have to like um, the the Vikings' pass volume um, improving this year and Jefferson smashing. I will throw out though, same argument. Nothing. It would not surprise me if a year from now Jamar Chase was the one hundred and one for a lot of the same reasons, and I think that. Um, if he comes out and, and, and has, he could have just an absolute smash season, just like we're talking about for Jefferson. So I do think we're both on potentially a wide receiver uh, being the 101 next year. And it's a great process to try to, you know, project the first round a year from now. Um, I think it's a very helpful process. Um, two players that we see flying up draft boards right now are Travis Etienne and Michael Pittman. What are your thoughts on these two players? They're red hot in high stakes drafts right now, Heath. Yeah, I would I would be curious how how high they've gone because I they've been flying up my my rankings most of the offseason as well. I'm not sure I've kept up on ETN though. We've seen a mid-second ETN. We've seen ETN regularly at the two three turn. Yeah. And you don't get him later than than like the than like early third these these days. But you you have seen him dip into the second round, running back 15-ish, running back 14-ish. And Michael Pittman has been squarely around wide receiver 12, 13, 14 range. So both of them are, you know, inside of that third round all the time. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine with Michael Pittman. I don't think he's a good value at that range. And you might even be closer to his upside than you are to his floor. But that's right about where I have Pittman. So I'm fine with that. I, I can't get that high on ETN. I think it's just, I and it, it's something we talked about with the Bears and the Texans, but I might need to see something go right for Jacksonville and Doug Peterson reverse the trend of his offense being worse every single year that he's in the NFL before I buy into anybody in this offense. I just I don't think they're going to make ETN a workhorse back. 
So he needs to have one of those Camara type huge receiving seasons, and he doesn't have Drew Brees as his quarterback. So I'm I'm a little bit worried about ETN that high, and it feels like that like maybe James Robinson just won't be any good at all, and it's just that doesn't. But he's going to be there for training camp, I think, not the start, but in training camp. I expect James Robinson is going to be ready for Week One. Yeah, it's interesting. JD and I talked about this last night um, with Dave Dave Hubbard um, and Billy Muzio, um, where they're starting to get, like you said, drafted at the, the, their peak range of outcomes. So it, it becomes interesting. Um, there are two players I'm, I'm very high on, but again, it's it's all relative to ADP, isn't it, guys? So um, now we have a little less than 10 minutes left. We want East guys. Give us your favorite players this season at each of the four positions. You can share one or as many as you're comfortable with. Which guys are you going down with the ship with that you're extremely bullish on that can help our, our listeners win their redraft leagues? Well, I, this will be a little bit easy because we've already talked about a couple of them, so I'll be able to keep Brand, it a little Brandon bit shorter. Co- well, <laughs> Brandon Cooks and Inc. Yes, Brandon <laughs> Cooks is definitely the my guy as a wide receiver. I'll get to number – we'll find number two, though. Uh, Jalen Hurts would absolutely be my guy at quarterback. I've got him basically tied with Lamar Jackson at QB4, and I uh, 100% think he has QB1 upside. On the lower end – I'm I'm pretty optimistic that Fields is going to make an improvement and that Fields is going to be unleashed as a rusher. I think it's it's maybe a little bit underrated the possibility that he could have a Jalen Hurts type season running the football. So Fields and Hurts are the two quarterbacks I probably am. I've actually got Fields ahead of Lance right now. I don't know if I'll be able to hold on to that all the way through draft season, but uh, they're they're back to back. Running back is more difficult. Um, to pick a my guy, but I think it's probably David Montgomery. And that gets a lot of hate because there are a lot of people who think Khalil Herbert. End the podcast now, JD. End it. Yeah, a lot of people think that Herbert is just better than David Montgomery. A lot of people just really hate David Montgomery. But I just took him. I just took him at five uh, at five eleven in the uh, football guys as my, just, as my RB one as my RB one. That's just absolutely stealing. Um, I, I think Montgomery's going to be a borderline number one running back. Um, I've got him 10th in the projections and I think 13th in the rankings. So, uh, I, I love Montgomery cooks is definitely my favorite wide receiver. Uh, my other, my guy might be Mike Williams. I think it's really underrated that he might just be the number one for the chargers. Keenan Allen has, has been slipping just a little bit the last couple of years and he is now, already on the wrong side of 30 isn't he or or will be turning before the season starts so uh i i like mike williams a lot as a mid-range number two wide receiver that has absolutely top 10 upside i don't know that i have a my guy at tight end but if i do it's probably cole Komet. it fits with the whole man i love the bears i guess what is going on nice i have so many bears detroit stacks in these tournaments for week 17 i love it well, yeah, I mean, if you guys had asked me who is your favorite under-the-radar stack, I would have 100% said the Lions. I think nice. like they are the cheap team to stack. No, love we it. love it. Um, this has been awesome tonight, J.D. Um, maybe you want to throw out the sponsor since I always forget. Yes, yes, yes. We didn't want to take up uh, any any of the valuable goatness, but guys, you know the drill. If you don't already, underdog fantasy, you can play for $2 million best ball. Imagine you win two mil. You're not only can you you have the option to change your wife, but if the one you like you have now you like her, 
she'll encourage you to keep playing fantasy. I mean, how much better can it get? Guys, use the code district underdog right now. You can even draft other sports. I know basketball is over. You got baseball. You got all kinds of goodness on there. Go check it out. Season long. Use the code district. And you know where to get the gear, guys. Viridian Global. Get your GOAT gear right now. And our friends at FFPC, guys, they have so many awesome tournaments right now. You've got the main event. You can sign up right now, whether you want to draft in Vegas in September with Theo, Dan. I know they're going to be there. I'm still trying to get down south of the border. Uh, I will smuggle you, smuggle you over the border, JD. Smuggle me. I, I'm, I'm trying to get Billy to come pick me up on the way there. I know he, he's flying his plane down there, so I was trying to get a ride. But, uh, it, you know, whether I'm there or not, guys, go, go draft in Vegas, the FFPC. There's nothing like it. You guys are watching this show in the middle of the summer. You should be in, in Vegas in September drafting live with these guys. It's, it's a fun experience. Uh, you can, you guys, you could play for a million dollars, you know, on this site. You can go play Dynasty right now. You can go play uh, best ball, redraft, tournaments, small leagues, big leagues. It doesn't matter. Go check it out, myffpc.com, and tag one of us to get uh, Theo or myself or at Go District for an exclusive sign-up bonus. We appreciate you guys today. We appreciate you, Heath. This was awesome uh you know tell the people where to find you i'm sure everybody knows but remind them and remind them of anything you have coming up i saw you have a couple great episodes coming out uh on your youtube yeah absolutely you can find our uh, fantasy football today podcast on youtube anywhere you can find podcasts um probably the thing that i this time of year especially am most proud of is our dynasty landing page where you can find updated rankings tiers mock drafts trade chart basically everything we've talked about here all in one centralized location on the CBS fantasy homepage in the top right corner. We didn't even have dynasty coverage four or five years ago. And so now the fact that we have all this, uh, it's about time. It's crazy. But you're certainly, you're crushing the, uh, crushing the dynasty content over there. Um, it's the, 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 the trade value charts. It's all very helpful, very good tools and um, just putting out awesome content. Yeah, and, and we've had Dave, we've had Heath now, so we, we, we for sure got to get Jamie on just to get the trifecta uh, on, the, on the GOAT district. We hope you guys enjoyed tonight. Go, go check out our sponsors, show your support. Guys, keep drafting. The only way you're going to get better than everyone else in your league is to keep drafting and to keep tuning in, and you know how we do it. We'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. 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 And I always be traded. 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 And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Bait them. Fish. Keith, that was awesome, man. We appreciate you big time. 
Re- really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a good talk. Yeah, we'd awesome. Love, I'm, yeah, I, we'd love to get back closer to the season. Yeah, I um, I I can do probably July. Um, I don't. I I can't do anything from August through December just because. For regular season, he would love to have you come back on in the regular season too. We know how busy you are this summer. Right, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely do this again for sure at some point. We'll we'll get it work. We'll get the time timing worked out. Awesome, awesome, man. All right, thanks for having me. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Have a great night. Later. That was good, man.